0: Okay, so one of the verses that is quoted there among, among many, but Luke 18, verse 1 says that men, that means men and women in that particular place, men men, should always pray and not faint. So what is, what is the contrast? What's the contrast? So there's prayer or there's fainting. There's depending upon God, or there's fainting, and again that word faint and kakeo, it means to fall back on nothing, to fall back on nothing as as a and of course we're talking for believers, and that's what makes it very important. Again, uh, also in other places in the scriptures, I believe it's First Timothy two and verse eight, where It is specifically men, specifically men. Men should lift up, Paul, and through the Holy Spirit, through Paul said, I wish that men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath or without doubting. What keeps us from depending upon God many times? It's a lack of prayer because prayer always teaches dependence. And so then God comes in, and according to Proverbs 3, 11, and 12, and according to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4, all the way down to 29, we can see very clearly that God begins to chasten us. It is his love that chastens us. Many times we have said, as the word of God has has taught us and is going to continue to teach us, That the first step, many, many times with God, the first steps of chastening is always grace. And so we know that when God chastens those that are his, it has to do with love and love flows through grace. And who does God give grace experientially to? Those that he has humbled in James 4 and verse 6. And that's why it says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, Humble yourselves, allow yourselves to be humbled under the mighty hand of God. The hand of God always speaks of who Christ is and what he's accomplished in the work that he's finished for each of us. And that's why when Christ came and he tabernacled himself in humanity in John 1 and verse 14, he was filled up with all that grace and truth is. You see, grace has to, has to precede truth experientially, has to. It has to, because none of us deserve a single thing from the hand of God, which is, again, God, his son, given to us freely. It says in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, is the Lord's hand and his arm shortened that it cannot save, that it can't deliver. So this is the thing, number one, <clears throat> the three areas, the first area that of the three that we can faint in is chastening is when God chastens us. Why does he chasten us? He does, because in First Corinthians 11, 31, and 32, God convicts, and conviction many times, again, is the first step of grace, is chastening love, so that we will not be condemned with the world. And there, is there any condemnation in who we are in Christ in Romans 8, and verse 1? No, for the In verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? It's pride. It's a lack. It's a lack of total, complete dependence. And so that's what we're growing in. And that's why he lovingly chastens us. And that's why there's such incredible purpose. Purpose goes into Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5 and verse 9 and verse 11 where it talks about the purpose of God. The very purpose of God has to do with the fact that he has, through his son, propitiated him. The son has propitiated the father. That's why he gave him, first and foremost, he gave him in Genesis 22 and verse 8, so that God would provide himself a sacrifice and propitiation, so that love and justice, which is one and can't be separated, could be met and that God would be free now in the love of who he is with fulfilled justice to flow through that grace and truth that only Jesus Christ is. And that's why in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, we grow in grace first. And then, then we have that experiential knowledge which is based upon our position. And notice that we grow in grace. And again, without chastisement, there is no growth. Without it, without teaching and discipline, there is no growth experientially in the love of God for us, of which when we understand it in in these specific areas. Again, when we understand it, truly, as far as God is concerned, really positionally, and then in certain areas experientially for us, nothing can disturb or distract us from that love or from receiving that love. And the only way we receive it is through grace. And that's why, that's why there's such tremendous purpose in chastisement, in chastisement of God, because it, it brings out the fact that God has been propitiated that Christ is our substitute and that we are reconciled positionally in a way that it cannot touch us. So in 1 John 5, 18, the deep part, it says the wicked one touches us not. You know, the enemy could go after Job. He could. God allowed it. God allowed Satan to use evil. But God allowed it to bring out his tremendous grace. That's what he did. And and God's desire and the experience and the intimacy of his love to promote Job just like he does with us through suffering. And sometimes we suffer, and that's loving chastisement. So we see this very, very clearly, that the enemy could touch Job's body. Could cause him to have boils over sores filled with infection from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Have him filled that way. Many of those Christian martyrs in the, in the Huguenots and all through church history as we read it, Satan could cause through evil their bodies to be burned at the stake. One thing the enemy cannot touch. In 1 John 5, 18, where it says the wicked one touches us not, that speaks of our eternal life. You cannot touch that. Another thing he can't touch is when God works in complete dependence upon himself. You see, he could do everything against Job. He could do every single thing against his physical body and take away all those material things. But one thing he couldn't touch was the faith, the dependence of Job upon God, that God himself was working in him. And this is Philippians 2:12 and 13, where it says, "Work out your own salvation." Why? Because God works, Because it is God which works in you, both to will, submission of our will, and to do of what? of his good pleasure, For it is God that does that. It's God that does all of this. <clears throat> Otherwise, without prayer, without dependence, we enter into Philippians 2 and verse 14. We do all things, we don't do all things without murmuring, and that's inside of thought life, or disputing. And really, who do we dispute? Who do we doubt? Who do we dispute with? Who does the enemy cause us to do that to? Through the flesh. And we give him the flesh. The flesh is the handle for the, for the enemy to use in accusing and disputing with God and asking, why is this? Why does that? Why is this? When don't we know, again, that we are the dot and God is the circle and whatever has to pass through and touch that dot has to pass through God who is love for us. There's absolutely no question about it. So that's the first thing in terms of of chastening where there is great purpose. The second thing, what is the second thing there that we see? It has to do with what? Prayer. As was said, there's great untapped power when we depend upon God because that's what prayer is constantly teaching us, to absolutely face him. To face him. To completely face him in the midst of every circumstance and situation, to absolutely face him and and, and through this complete and utter dependence. And that's why it's prayer. We mentioned prayer Luke 18 1, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 8, Romans 12 and verse 12. We should pray. Men should always pray. Every one of us should always pray. But men, as leaders, and as proper initiators? Yes. To lift up what kind of hands? Holy hands. Hands that have been submitted. Lift up holy hands without what? Wrath and without doubting. When we don't pray, when we don't depend upon Him experientially, when we don't draw near to Him, in James 4 and verse 8, we function in either wrath not the wrath, that, the God that hates sin in Psalm 97 and verse 10, but fleshly wrath in Ephesians 4 and verse 26, caused by Satan when we give him a place, a handle of the flesh. See? And give no place to the devil. We give place to the devil, then what do we do? We quit experientially, we enter into wrath and doubting again. Doubting, Romans 14, 22. The happy is the man that condemns not himself and the thing that he allows. Why? Because there is no condemnation in Christ, in Romans 8, 1. And then in Romans 14, 23, he that doubts is what? Damned if he eat, because he eats not. He doesn't feed on faith. Whatsoever is not of faith, absolute dependence and prayer, is what? It's sin. And in James 4 17, to him that knows to do good and still doesn't do it, to him it is what? It is sin. We you know sin in Psalm 51 and verse 4 is against God and it's evil. And when I sin against God, known sin and continue in it, and it's evil, it has an effect on every single relationship that we get involved with. Every single relationship and enters into every single circumstance and situation that we're in. And then the third thing is we're not to faint. Faint not. Faint not. So Galatians 6 verse 9, 1 Thessalonians, I believe it's 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 13, where, what does it say? In Galatians 6 9. What does it say? Be not weary in what? Well doing. You know what well doing really means in the Koine Greek New Testament? Is good works. Stop being weary in the good works that God Himself is working in and through you. And this is based upon Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. Be not weary in good works. You submitting and allowing God to work in and through you the specific works that he has accomplished and finished about you. This, again, goes into Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. What does that mean? From the time you were born again till the time you go to see him face to face, we are to work out our own salvation. Do you see that's something that only God can do? through Jesus Christ, and what he's already accomplished through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit for each and every single individual. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27, each of us, in our own peculiar, particular way that God has made us, forms the body of Christ individually. That's individual in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27. Yes, it's the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 the whole body, but it's made up of individuals that manifest and express the beauty of the revelation of Christ in each vessel. And that brings out the clarity of uh, what Jesus Christ is like, even while he's absent, but is he absent in us on the earth? And He's not. He's not. But a lack of dependence keeps him absent from a proper experience. And then we doubt and then we question and then we enter into wrath and all these other things. But thank God in Isaiah 30 and verse 18, he's always waiting to be gracious. Thank God for the thorns that he's given us in Second Corinthians 12 and verse 7. He's given us the thorns, the thorns are the love, the love of God that protect us so that we can continue on a path that's lit up with his very presence in Proverbs 4 and verse 18. And that we become lit up in Psalm 34 and verse 5. He lights us up with the beauty of Christ that is the treasure in the vessel in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. And that was, that's, the, that's the last thing. What is the last thing after prayer? There's chastening, right? There's prayer and there's what? And we talked about it. The works of Christ being worked through us. That's the areas, the three areas that the enemy tries to come against us and cause us to be weary. Read Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Read Daniel 7 and verse 25. He speaks great words against the Most High to wear out the saints. Can he wear out God? No. Can he wear out our position in him where sin can't even touch it? No. But he tries to speak great words against the Most High to us to us, to doubt him through pride and through stubbornness in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 23. And so this is the plan of God. This is what he has for us. This is the depth of his love for us. And he's working these three things. And yes, they touch every single area and all kinds of areas in our life. But I believe by the grace of God, as I grow in his grace, and his knowledge with you and with us all together, that those are the three specific areas where the enemy comes in and tries to attack us in the midst of this spiritual conflict that we've been born into. But thank God we've been now taken out of uh, our old and been placed in Christ, born again. And we definitely believe that even for this dispensation this particular time of grace, and we believe in being born again in John 3, 3 through 6 without any question about it. And so for these three areas, the, these three areas uh, are all all begin and begins with prayer. It literally begins with prayer. It begins with prayer uh, all the way, and then it ends in prayer dependence when we get to see, finally, when we leave this Earth, when we leave these bodies, we enter into his his, his eternal presence, and then we face him in first Corinthians thirteen and verse twelve. We have this beautiful intimate exchange through feasting on the hidden manna as he inscribes on us and brings into reality the beauty of our of of the name that only he knows and we know specifically, and again that's the specific particular uh, individuality that we all have in Christ. And again, this is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. And this is to be brought out. Finally, we get into his presence. We get into his presence. Now we're not only, and we all have on this earth, we've all been delivered from the power of sin. We do not have to sin. We choose to through a lack of submission. This is 1 John 2, 1 and 2. But thank God we have an advocate with the Father. He's Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he's the propitiation for our sins and potentially also for the whole world because Christ has has propitiated the Father. And so these are the three specific areas that we can all faint in. And thank God for for the beauty of his word, his instruction, so that we can even understand why and the reason why God chastens us, the, way he, the reasons why he does that, and it's only his love, his wrath is not being poured out on us. He's not punishing us for our sins. Jesus Christ was in our place. And that's why in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and 1 Thessalonians 5.9, where there is no wrath for us and we do not have to go through the tribulation period like some untaught are who are taught very evil things because it's evil to think that Christ hasn't finished the work and completely satisfied the Father as a complete and full Christ and substitute for us. So Lord, we thank you this morning for this truth. And I just pray for all of us. I pray for myself, my wife. uh, We all pray for each other, all Christians and, and those of our family and friends. And those that God has placed us in to have an opportunity to be able to express this reality. I just pray for, for all of us in these three specific areas that you would have your way with us this morning, that you would bless us superabundantly. And you will. We experience a true blessing when we experience the true glory of who Christ is in his person. And what he's accomplished in terms of propitiating the Father, appeasing his wrath, his unfulfilled justice, so his love couldn't flow. Jesus Christ fulfilled that wrath and and he took our place. He died for us, he died as us, and he paid for all of our sins and wiped them out clear, clear and gone in terms of the complete and utter satisfaction and joy of god the father the experience between the son and us in their midst by the power of the holy spirit lord thank you this morning for this word just be with us today as we go about what you would have us to do in the strength and grace of your love we just thank you and praise you in jesus name amen